right, man. Welcome to the 290 More Podcast. I appreciate your time. If you could, introduce yourself to my viewers and listeners. Yeah, man. appreciate you for having me on the show. Uh, you know, my name is Corey Dooley. Uh, a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm a survivor of gun violence, you know, and domestic violence, firstly. Um, you know, in 2013, almost 10 years ago, uh, I was shot four times on my stepfather. And, um, man, we was on my way home from my little brother football game. And, uh, you know, long story short, you know, doctors gave me less than a 1% chance to survive. Uh, they said I wouldn't walk again, and now I'm running for office, you know. So, uh, man, since that, man, I went on to play football at Concordia University, right over there at Oak Park. Yeah, River I Forest. drive every day on my way to work. Yeah, yeah bro. So, went over there, played football, They got a football man. team? Yeah, yeah. It's like a Division three school, you know. It ain't like your Division one, but, mm-hmm. uh, man, met my wife there, bro. Uh, you know, got married, like, in September. Mm-hmm. Um, went back to school. I ain't never really been like a studious type, mm-hmm. but as I got older and like I started to find stuff I like, um, man, I, I I found that I like architecture, bro. So I'm like getting my second master's in architecture right now. I go to school online at Arizona State University. Man, look, I didn't worked in the schools, man. I, I read, I wrote, I wrote a book. You know, doing doing a whole bunch of things, bro. But you know, just just as I fought for my life, you know, now I'm running to fight for my community uh, okay. as the next 29th War Alderman. So, yep. Man, that's that's a handful, man. Yeah, yeah. bro. I know I threw a lot at <laughs> no, you. No, for sure. I appreciate that because I just want to go about order and take things in order a little bit. Yeah. Um. So, uh, if you don't mind talking about, you say you're a survivor of domestic and and gun violence. Yeah. So, uh, if you can, could you expand on that story a little bit before? And before you expand on that, mm-hmm. previous to that, what was your experiences with, with uh, gun violence and domestic violence? Man, prior to that, so originally I grew up in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, growing up there, it's like if you know anything about Texas, it's about football. You know, church and football, mm-hmm. that's like the two things, really. Friday Night Lights. Yeah. And so, man, for me, you know, I grew up, my plan was to be an All-American, you know, go to the University of Texas and get drafted into the NFL. Uh, then I realized, man, when I woke up in the hospital, like, I don't know if, if I'm going to be able to make it to the NFL. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to play football. Uh, but as far as, like, domestic violence, you know, that's like family violence, mm-hmm. or, like violence you experience in the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that I ain't never really had, like, a firsthand experience uh, gun violence. Uh, before that, you know, I, I was shot when I was 15, so I was, like, my sophomore year of high school. Uh, you know, um uh, yeah, but I feel like when people hear domestic violence, they think of more like physical, which mm-hmm. is true. You know, mm-hmm. it, it it can get physical, you know, altercations, but also it can be like mental too. You know, people are like, they can play mind games on you as a kid, you know, as far as like, uh, I'll just give a quick example. Like, oh, we're going to go to dinner on Friday. Or if you do the if you do good in the game, I'll give you a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. But then when that time come, they act like they, you know, they never made that promise right mm-hmm. so it's kind of like a mind game really bro and um that was really like my experience more like a, a, a like a psychological mind game experience mm-hmm. you know like people like abusing you with <coughs> words and like uh not keeping promises mm-hmm. that type of stuff bro okay if, if you could could you walk us through that event like do, do you remember the the, the yeah. what led up to that man I ain't gonna never forget that night bro there was like it was like a Wednesday night bro October uh 15th uh it was actually October 16th 
Uh, and man, we was we was at my little brother football game. He was in the seventh grade, mm-hmm. and uh, my mama had decided she was gonna uh, separate from my from my uh, stepdad at the time. Mm-hmm. They had met. They had been dating for like six years. Had been married for a couple years, but he came into my life, bro, around like I want to say like fourth grade. Maybe like third grade, you know, so, you know, third grade to ninth grade, that's like a critical right. time, like you developing. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, he used to show us, you know, he was a football player. So he, you know, he taught us, oh yeah, you're going to go to the NFL. You're going to do it like, you know, I didn't make it, but y'all going to make it type of thing, you know, and uh, uh, actually would show us the gun and would be like, you know, if anyone break into the house, like I'm going to use this to protect us. Like, mm-hmm. you know, y'all should know where it's at. You know, in case anything ever go down, I got y'all, you know, woo, 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 that type of stuff, bro. But, uh, yeah, so my mama decided, you know, stuff was getting crazy, you know, at that time, bro, a lot going on. And my mama was just like, this was like the, uh, uh this was like summer, uh, like August, bro, right before I started my sophomore year. And we was like, yeah, we, my mama decided she was going to get a divorce. As I told you, you know, things was just getting a little out of hand. And we went to stay with my grandmother. And she lived like 30 minutes away. So we would have to make that commute, you know, like every day, you know, going to school 30 minutes and then have to drive another 30 minutes. And in Texas, you got to drive everywhere, bro, Mm because it's just it's just that's how it is. Uh, And so I remember we was at my little brother football game and uh, and then we get done with the game and I was going to sit in the front seat because, you know, I'm like big bro. So, you know, I always get the front seat. My younger brother, he like a year and a half younger than me. Uh, but I was like, damn, he, he played a good game. I'm going to go ahead and let him get the front seat. And so he came out the locker room. I was like, Hey bro, you can get the front seat. He was like, no, you got it. Like, you know, that's, that's cool. I was like, okay, I bet. So man, we on the way home and that's around like nine o'clock. So, you know, it's dark. And, uh, man, I remember we was pulling up to my granny crib and I just remember bro getting like this weird feeling. Like I ain't never felt nothing like this. It was like a, almost like a spiritual bro i don't really know how to describe it but maybe it's because it was a lot going on so maybe that's why i felt a little uneasy man i remember we pull into the garage so we get into the garage bro and uh you know people got like them garage door openers you know you Mm -hmm. just click it open click it close so we in the garage i'm in the passenger seat my mom in the driver's seat and my brother is right behind me right sitting like right behind my mom in the back seat but we my mama clicked the garage door opener to go down something getting away the sensor the garage door jerked back up and I remember hearing my brother like gasp. He was like, <gasps> like something like that. Bro, I looked to my right and that was my my stepdad at the time. Like literally like, you know, a garage small. So he ain't nothing but like six or 10 to 10 feet away from me at the time. And he got that same gun, bro, that he was saying he was finna protect us with. Now he turned it on us and he's swearing. He like, you know, get the, get the F out the car. I'm not playing. I'm not playing. And man, we just like, you know, don't shoot, don't shoot. Man, he started firing, bro. And so uh, I get hit two times on my right side, uh, one in my in my shoulder blade, and then one came through my lung and like lodged somewhere in my heart. Bro, I turned to cover my mama. My mama turned to cover me. And then when I turned like that, I got hit in my left hip because I was turned like this. So I got hit two more times in my left hip. And while all this going on, my mama telling my brother from the back seat to to let my seat back so I don't get hit in the head. So where I'm sitting at like maybe like a 45 degree angle or like recline. And I just remember, bro, them bullets was hot. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that was like a feeling that I couldn't, I can't even really describe. Uh, came around the front of the car, shot through the windshield, shot at my mama, hit her in the, in the shoulder, bro. Then he came around the uh, uh, the driver's side of the car, and he had the gun pointed at her head. Like, you know, it was going to be over, bro. And, uh, you know, uh, my family, my mama always been big in the faith. And, man, she just started screaming the name Jesus, bro. And uh, she screamed that name a few times, and he and she said he told her to start the car. 
And so, you know, we was kind of caught off ambush. So we didn't really know what to do. So she go to start the car and he moved the gun from her head to her arm. And he shot it through the forearm to try to keep her from reversing. And man, bro, basically long story short, we got, we got out the jam and, you know, went down the street. You know, my mama called, you know, the cops. They came, whoop, whoop, scooped me up. And then I was in the, in the hospital, bro, in a coma for like three days. And man, hey, now I'm here, bro. So <clears throat> that's wild, man. That's yeah. wild. Quick side note, I got an aunt who husband like shot her like seven or nine times when she survived. Like, wow, bro. Situation. And she was big in the faith, too. Mm. But not to get too far off the story. I, I heard you mention they was hot. What 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 else did you feel? Because sometimes you hear people say like the adrenaline rush. You don't feel the pain, yeah. but you 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 kind of feel it. What did you did your life flash before your eyes? Did you think you was you wasn't gonna make it? What 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 was you at that moment going through? Mm. Yeah, bro, these some good questions. I'm glad you asked me. Appreciate these. that. Man. <laughs> uh, yeah. But man, for me, I feel like it depend on the the scenario, right? Mm. For me, it was like it was kind of like an ambush, and I couldn't go nowhere. You know, I couldn't run. I couldn't. Mm. So at that point, I just had to really like. And it's somebody it. that you probably gained the love for. Yeah, bro. You know, that's somebody who I put trust. That's my, you know, that's my dad at that point. Right. You know, it ain't sure. my my biological father, but you know, he he raised us. You know what I mean? Showed showed us what it was like to be a man, how to work out. You know. He kind of laid out my future as far as what I was gonna do, and uh, man, bro, them them bullets was was hot, bro. That's that's I remember like they them hitting me and it felt like uh, it felt like there was like a hole in my body and like a whole bunch of water was just like spewing out. Mm. You know, it was just real hot and I felt like it was like a whole bunch of liquid just leaving my body. Uh, and after that, the first one hurt so bad that like the other three, I didn't really like feel them like that. At that point, it was, I was a little numb to it, bro. Mm. So yeah, but that first one, bro, that was that. Yeah, yeah, that one was hot, bro. Did the little bro go unharmed or I know yeah. mentally? He, he, yeah. yeah, physically, yeah, he was unharmed, bro. Uh, so I got shot four times. My mama got hit twice. Um, and then my brother, no, nah, he didn't get hit. You know, mm. thank God he didn't get hit. So okay. So you guys got get out the gym. What happens next? Is is law enforcement immediately involved? Are you placed in some type of medical and coma or what's what's yeah. what's next? Yeah. So I remember driving down the street, bro, and my vision started to turn red. My mama like she on the phone. She couldn't find her phone, and she was driving in a Cadillac, and they got like on stars. She mm-hmm. was able to click it, and it like took her, you know, right to where they needed to be. Man, I remember my vision turning red. Bro, I had on this icy Nike jacket, bro. It was like mm-hmm. my favorite, bro. It was like gray with like a black swoosh, bro. I was clean. And I remember thinking, and bro, this is now that I think about think back on it. I'm like, why was I thinking of this? But it was like I was like, damn, I ain't gonna never be able to wear this hoodie again. Like, that's my favorite hoodie. Uh but man, I remember thinking, I was like, God, like, man, if you could just save me right now, like whatever you do, man, like I give you my life. Like, just save me. Like, please, please. And uh I had passed out a little bit. And then I woke up on the ground. Uh, I like we had pulled into you know somewhere where it was like well lit. I think it was like a CVS or something like that. And I remember the paramedics getting there, and I just tell them like, "Damn, my butt hurt. Like my butt hurting. Like dang." And per- whole time I had got hit in like my femoral artery in my left leg. And then and then I found out about the body. It's like it's like five main arteries that mm-hmm. run like throughout your body and pump blood to your heart. Mm. And he had hit the main one in my leg. So I was losing a lot of blood there. Sean Taylor got got hit right there. Yeah, bro. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so similar thing, bro, you know, um, and then, man, I just remember telling the doctors, like, man, save me. Just like, I don't know if you watch Grey's Anatomy, bro. No, no. But it's like, in a, in a, basically in the movie scenes where, mm-hmm. like, the person on the bed and there's all the doctors and scrubs mm-hmm. around you and it's like mm-hmm. them bright lights. And, uh, 
I remember just passing out. And I was in a coma for like three days. Mm. I would say I was like in and out. I kind of remember people coming in a room and like, you know, like being by me, but only like flashes, bro. Mm -hmm. Like very vague. I don't really remember too much mm -hmm. from like that coma period. Okay. So <clears throat> as you tell a story, I don't hear you too much mention any fear like throughout. Mm. Was 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 there any concern like once y'all got away from him was like was he immediate immediately apprehended was he mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying what what happened to him after that and and did you get, get any mm -hmm. like fear you know what i'm saying of mm -hmm. just guns or people you don't know or just letting new people around because mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying what what role did fear play in this whole situation yeah i mean after that you know after we had got away so what we had found out was when we was at my my little brother football game that night, bro was like he was like in the cut, in like the watching us, yeah, mm -hmm. like in the bushes type thing. There was like a little, it was like the football field. It was the stands, and then it was like a little, it was like yeah. a ditch. It be busting, yeah, bro. And so he was like over there, like plotting, and like he knew where my grandmother stayed, obviously. Mm -hmm. So he got there before he parked around the corner, so he couldn't. See. It was like a little a corner and a little cul-de-sac, but we ain't go over there, obviously, because our crib wasn't right there. But um. Yeah, when we was driving away, obviously we had the fear that he was following us. You know, my mama was like looking in the rear view, making sure he wasn't following us or nothing, bro. Uh, he actually, after that, he kind of, he just sat on the concrete, bro, and waited. You know, the neighbors called the cops and stuff. So he just sat on the concrete, bro, and uh, and waited for, for the authorities to apprehend him. But yeah, it was, it was times, bro, when I was in that hospital that I was thinking like, Dang, somebody could walk in right now and like finish the job type of thing. You know, he could he could send one of his family members to try to you know finish the job. Mm -hmm. So yeah, bro, it, it was it was definitely some times where you know that PTSD. That's mm -hmm. what they call for it, sure. bro. Yeah, for sure. That I that I had, that. and I say pro, I probably still got some of that to this day. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so um, how did that experience? Um, how did that experience affect your outlook on, on firearms and guns overall? Are you are you mm. a, a gun carrier? Or are you a, a Ford car holder, uh, concealed to carry? What's your what's your overall views on guns, especially being in the mm -hmm. city and especially experiencing gun violence firsthand? Yeah, uh, bro, I I gotta say this is one of the the best podcasts I've been on, bro. These, these questions, bro, mm -hmm. <laughs> I ain't never had these questions, so I appreciate it. Appreciate that. Uh, but for me, uh, I don't own a gun. Mm -hmm. I don't carry a gun. I don't have my FOIA card, um, you know. Uh, but, you know, for my brother, it was different for him. Like, he, mm -hmm. he got guns, um, all legal in Texas. You know, the restrictions mm -hmm. are a little lighter. Mm -hmm. uh, he don't open carry, but but he does have them legally. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, we do have them in our house. Uh, but, man, you know, I never really, I guess I never really thought about, you know, my take on guns. You know, I'm from Texas. Everybody mm -hmm. carry a gun. So I think, you know, and legally we got the right to. And I think mm -hmm. people should be able to, you know, carry a gun, conceal carry, mm -hmm. open carry, as long as they're not, you know, harming anyone else. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I think that's that's kind of my take on guns. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not like a, oh, we need to get rid of guns or I'm, a, I'm against guns or let's ban weapons. Mm -hmm. I think... Um, I think it's more of a people issue. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? We could be For using sure. knives to commit violence. For and then sure. be like, ban knives. Mm -hmm. Or we could, I mean, we use our words all the time mm -hmm. to commit violence, bro. We can say ban words. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, you know, no matter the instrument, I think it's the people, bro, and mm -hmm. the mindset that kind of go into, you know, people wanting to commit harm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And before we move on from that situation, uh, what happened? What happened to your stepdad? Did he, did he go to jail? What, what happened? Do you, do you, 
Did you yeah. have? Did you ever speak to him ever again since then? What, what was that like? Cause like yeah. I said, my aunt went through that situation, and my cousin, mm-hmm. her son, you know what I'm saying? I don't. His, his daddy did his time or whatever. He's mm-hmm. out now, and it's like mm. I'm, I'll just be. That's a, an amazing thing, you know what I'm saying? Wow. But, yeah, I don't know how much how much time uh, that he had to do in that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in my situation, so this happened in 2013, mm-hmm. and then I think the trial happened in 2015, uh, and he ended up getting sentenced for, to like 30 years. Mm-hmm. That was kind of that kind of opened my eyes to like the whole court process, mm-hmm. and then I figured out it ain't what you know as far as like law in the court of law, it ain't what happened, but it's what you can prove. Mm-hmm. You know what can you get somebody on charges for? Mm-hmm. So oftentimes people be like, did he you know for attempted murder or you know. Uh, but that's very hard to prove. You got to prove intention. Uh, so they got him, I think, on like two counts of um, child endangerment and then assault with a deadly weapon. Now, even though there was lesser charges, that was something that they could prove in a court of law based on the evidence that they had. Mm-hmm. So he got like 30 years. He did two years in uh, in a jail. So they put that they, they took that off his time. So I think he got like 28 years mm-hmm. um, and serving time somewhere um, in, in a Texas prison, bro. Mm-hmm. Um and he was like 40 some so you know uh, you know 20 years what you you really only got to do like half the time mm-hmm. so maybe like 15 you know 20 years that he'll probably do so yeah you know if he get out you know i guess i had to face that then bro but uh, as far as now you know yeah he he locked away is that something that you will face or is it something you just be like you know what i'm saying fuck it uh i remember being in a courtroom bro and i said like when I got in the courtroom, I said that I was going to look this man in his eyes and, like, stare him down, bro. Like, you know how, like, LeBron will block you and, like, stare you mm-hmm. down? Like, For I just sure. did that. Sure. It was kind of like the same feeling, bro, that I wanted to give him. Like, you tried it, but it didn't work. Right. And, like, I want to let you know, bro, like, I'm still alive. Like, I'm still here. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, bro, I just remember being in the courtroom and I, like, stared him down, bro. And, uh... And uh, bro, mean stare down for for a couple minutes. People was actually worried that mm-hmm. I might get up and like do something to him. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to send that message. Uh, and yeah, bro, I ain't seen him. You know, since since that day in court, twenty fifteen. Uh, I ain't seen him since then. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> wow, man, that, that's 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 an amazing story, man. I appreciate you sharing that with oh, the show, yeah. man. Yeah. So so to move along because we could we could probably go the whole show on, on yeah, them two topics alone, yeah. man. So 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 to segue to to the next topic, man. How did you end up in Chicago? Yeah, so man, I remember getting a letter in the mail. So, uh, actually, I I take it back just so we can transition smoothly. Sure. Uh, so I like I said, I was a sophomore, bro, when mm-hmm. I had got hit and all that had happened to me, and uh, I was like a hundred and sixty five pound football player, um, before I had went into the hospital. And then I remember waking up in the hospital, bro. I was like 97 pounds the first time I could step on the scale. And um, and even before that, I, the doctor, I remember when I had came out of my coma, the doctor walked into the room. And the first thing I asked him was, am I going to be able to make it to the game next week? Like, I'm, you sound I'm, like I'm the alive. Like, <laughs> Do we win the game? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like, we <laughs> say Hamlet. <laughs> I'm like, I'm good. Like, I'm alive, right? Like, I, like I'm straight. Right. And he was like, man, if you work hard enough, you could probably make it, you know, next season or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, by the grace of God, bro, I had a speedy recovery. And uh, we did. I was able to make it back in back on the field, bro, in like six months in time for spring football. Mm-hmm. And so made it back. But uh, flash forward to my senior year. I remember getting a, a letter in the mail from uh, Concordia University, Chicago. And uh, 
I told my mama, I was like, I ain't going to Chicago. Mm-hmm. I just got shot. I ain't trying to get shot again. <laughs> Damn, that's why y'all look. <laughs> and she was like, uh, she was like, boy, you gonna go? They giving you money to go. And uh, and I was like, all right, mama. So we we end up taking a trip, bro, to Chicago. And I remember after I had landed at O'Hare, bro, we was in the Uber on the way downtown to the airport. Mm-hmm. And bro, I got like this feeling, bro, in me that was like the city was like calling my name, bro. I kept hearing like Corey. Corey in my head and I'm like dang okay like this I'm like I might need to be here for a reason bro and uh man came up here uh, they said I could play as a freshman football and uh I kind of knew my mom always told me I was gonna be a lawyer uh so that kind of like dictated me wanting to do political science and just kind of get I knew Chicago was like a political city mm-hmm. so man that kind of just like sparked my interest in that I don't know too much for the good reason but we're gonna yeah, get into I don't that know. yeah we're gonna get into that it's <laughs> political but uh but yeah, and I'm I'm finding out about that now, bro. But met my wife there too, bro. Just got involved with what's going mm-hmm. on. Um, you know, got a heart for the community. You know, I've mm-hmm. been organizing the community since I was 15. You know, since that happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether that was like leading, you know, rallies, um, you know, speaking at, at churches and different events, bro. I got like a documentary out. Um, I did a, like a lot of interviews, bro. But just really creating awareness and really just being that light, bro, and that role model for other people. Mm-hmm. You know, so that they can know, you know, you can make it out of your situation. Okay, okay, so you, you shoot up here to Concordia, man. I, I'm very familiar with I I never been to inside there, but they okay. but like the, the parks <laughs> around there, I'll be playing Pokemon Go, they got like yeah. the best the best spots around there. Oh, you know okay, what I'm so, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, so I I'm, I'm very familiar with the area. And I'm just driving past like it's a low key like school in a cut, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying, with a lot going on, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if my man was in different places growing up, you know what I'm saying, that's probably like one of my biggest regrets is not, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, getting me like a like uh, I always said to uh, journalism, cause I like watching like the sports debate shows, so that's mm. what some would have been something I've been interested in. But mm-hmm. I went down a different course. But but stand on standing on you, man. You in Concordia playing football, doing political science, man. What what was your aspirations to do at that point? Did you was it to be a lawyer? Was it to be a football player? What at that point? What was you What was you working to to be? Man. Um I feel like I was kind of like in that mindset. I feel like a lot of young black men, you know, we grow up kind of our role models as rappers and athletes. Mm-hmm. And so even though I knew I was at a division three school, you know, which typically don't produce, a, you know, NFL players, you know, just because it's a lower tier, you know, still, still, it's still at a collegiate level, but it's not like your division one schools. You don't mm-hmm. get as much, you know, notoriety and stuff like that. Um, uh, but in my mind, bro, I still thought I was going to the NFL, bro. <laughs> like it's that possible, was, <laughs> man. You just got to transfer from that school to another school. And that, and that, and that was my whole like that was my whole thing. Even though I was going to school for political science, like you know, I was getting involved in the community. I still had this thought that like that was gonna be my thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I you know go to law school too, and I went to go to law school. Um, you know, obviously to be a lawyer, but you know, if it wasn't if it wasn't going to the NFL, then it was me going to law school. That was kind of my. That was kind of my mindset at the time. Did you go into law school have anything to do with um, your situation, going through um, your stepfather getting getting the time he got? Did that have anything to do with it? Or uh, I don't know. My mama always told me that I was good at arguing. Like I would always like whenever she would tell me something, you I always get paid had, like, for a, that, boy. Rebuttal. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can get paid for that. Like you got a skill. I always had a rebuttal, a, a, a could shape it to a mm-hmm. certain way to where I could get myself out of a situation mm-hmm. and make it sound like something different. Uh, which a, a politician might be, <laughs> but uh, yeah, bro. So I think that that kind of like played a factor 
I wanted to do like civil rights, so mm-hmm. I didn't really, I didn't want to go into like criminal justice law or anything or family law. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of wanted to do like civil rights, so I don't, I don't really think that that situation had at least that much to do with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And real quick, just I over skip this question. If you don't mind me asking, mm-hmm. what was your real father, and did he have a, a take on anything that was going on up through your life up to that point, or or yeah. or if you could explain. Yeah, bro, this this finna turn into a whole Netflix original, bro. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, we gonna, we gonna have to work on that next, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, I, I'm glad you asking these, bro, because the, the story is is deep, bro. I found out, so I got a, a, a older set on my mom's side, uh, who I grew up with, uh, my younger brother, uh, who like a year and a half younger than me, uh, his name is Cody. Uh, and then I got an older sister that's like six years older than me. Her name is Amori. Mm-hmm. And so my older sister, her father died, bro, um, when she was like two. And so she grew up without a father. And me and my brother, uh, we got the same dad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we got the same last name. And then, you know, so, you know, we always had a close bond. We was only like a year and a half. You know, my older sister raised us. Uh, and then we get to like the ninth grade. And I found out that, you know, me and my brother ain't had the same dad. And now for me, that was like my whole world kind of came crashing down because that's like, dang, like, what you mean? Like, that's my little brother. Like, we, you know. How you find out? Oh, you just like, hey, you know, y'all getting older. Kind of, bro. Yeah, know. y'all, you know, you getting older. Like, you know, let me just go ahead and, you know, let you know. Um, and that was confusing for me because even though, you know, our dad, you know, at the time wasn't in our life, we would see him, you know, every now and every now and then. And then, uh, so when I had found that out, you know, we were going, we would see him and whatever. And my, my mama, uh, my stepdad at the time, he wasn't really cool with that. Like I said, he was controlling. Mm. He didn't want us to see our dad. You know, he wanted to be the dad type, you know, be overly controlling. Mm. Um, so when he found out that I had a dad, you know, bro was definitely like, oh, no, like this ain't, you know, you ain't going to never meet him. Like, no, like I'm not cool with that at all. And that's kind of, and that really like was like, you know, my mama had to decide like, Dang, is my son going to be able to meet his dad someday? Or am I going to stay in this marriage, you know, with this man? And this going to be their only dad. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I definitely, bro, you know, love my mom for making that decision. Decide, like, she chose me, you know, over a man. You know, mm-hmm. she decided that it was more important for me to meet my dad um, than it was for her to stay in that marriage and keep up this, you know, keep up whatever. And so I met my real dad, bro, like three weeks right before I got shot. And so... uh Funny thing is, bro, my dad is a cameraman for NBC5, my real dad. So when I got had got shot, bro, he was like, like I had got like a lot of interviews. Like he was sometimes like recording me and stuff like that, bro. So it's just like a small world. But yeah, bro, that was that was real like traumatic for my family. You know, that was a real like hectic time. And it was a blessing, you know, that I could meet him. But then as soon as I did, you know, that happened. But I think it was I think it kind of worked out because it created like that bond, you know, mm-hmm. even though we had missed out on you know, 15 years, 16 mm-hmm. years or whatever, I think that happened and kind of, like, made us closer, bro. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was getting ready to ask you. So did you have any ill will toward him before meeting him? Like, man, you ain't been around Walter Ball, or you just like, man, whenever I meet him, you know what I'm saying, I'm going to see what's to him. What, what was your... Yeah, kind of like that, bro. You know, I, you know, when you a child, you don't really understand stuff like that. You mm-hmm. know, I didn't really understand, like, you know, what happened and, you know, I feel like even in a, like a lot of black families, like stuff happened that we don't really know. We mm. don't really ask questions. We don't talk about it. Sometimes we don't, don't talk about don't it, bro. And, about it. and it's and it's not just in you know my family. That's like mm-hmm. a generational mm-hmm. you know thing that's been going on. So I was more so like 
now damn, I'm just I'm just happy to meet, bro. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, as I got older, you know, I start asking questions and stuff, and and I got the answers that I needed. Uh, but yeah, at that time, it was just like, man, let me let me just meet him, you know, mm-hmm. let me let me see what's to him, you mm-hmm. know. So yeah, and you said he a cameraman. Yeah, bro. Yeah, for NBC. That that's that's a, that's kind of a big deal in yeah, the cameraman bro. in the cameraman world. Yeah, so yeah. Is, is that something he retired from, or or something he still he kind of been doing it? Yeah, he still do it, bro. Uh, mm-hmm. Out in Dallas, um, he still do his thing, bro. That's dope. So yeah, he kind of he been doing that like his whole career. You know, went to school for it, got in, and yeah, kind of oh, been doing. He got that. he got to shoot a, a campaign spot for you, man. Man, you know, I saw, bro. I'll be trying dope, to tell man. him. <laughs> That'd be dope, man. Yeah. All right, man. So, <clears throat> uh, I want let's 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 get into what you got going on now, man. Yeah. All right. So, so what exactly are you running for? No, I guess we can't go there for. We can't we can't go that way. So. How did you start getting into, you know what I'm saying, paying attention to, mm-hmm. to politics and and maybe want to insert yourself into the one day? Like, what was going on with, between the football and, mm-hmm. and the, being a lawyer? What How did that become a part of the whole equation? Yeah, bro. Um, I think it was right around, like, my sophomore year in college. Um, we had, like, a partnership with uh, UIC John Marshall, and that's a mm-hmm. law school. And they was offering, like, this course. It was, like, a free course. And you and they would give you college credit, and you could go downtown once a week and learn about like, like housing and like and you know like the segregation in Chicago, why Chicago is the way it is, and like redlining and all of that historical stuff on why Chicago is the way it is. Uh, and why why is it is it because of racism? That's redlining all it is. Right? Yeah, basically, you know, systematic racism. You know, white flight. You so know, so every everybody knows that. I just want to be clear. So everybody like mm-hmm. knows that, like the politicians and stuff. They know that. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they should. I mean, that's like Chicago history. Saying, you know. Yeah, but I'm saying it, it don't change though. It don't change. Yeah, this the machine. They done built the machine. You know, and I think now, you know, I think we gonna get into that how it's kind of breaking down a little mm-hmm. bit. But for the most part, yeah, they built the machine. You know, they built the city. The federal government was involved with it. You know what I mean? That's why this whole conversation around reparations is starting to happen because the federal government was involved in this. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, we got promises of 40 acres and a mule that we ain't never get, you know? Um, so, but yeah, bro. So I, I got involved with that. And I remember meeting, uh, uh, he was like a professor down there. Uh, I think his name was uh, Lewis Powell. He's also an, an attorney. And I told him, I was like, man, I just want to get involved in what's going on. I got a heart for the community. I want to serve. And he was like, man, uh, uh, you should you should connect with um, AAA BNA. And that's short for the Austin African-American Business Networking Association. That's why everybody's just say AAA BNA because mm-hmm. that's a long name. Uh, and, man, I just started getting connected with a whole bunch of, like, community organizations, bro. Um, them, uh, college mentoring experience. And then I just started getting involved with, like, the schools, bro. I started hosting, like, peace circles. Um, at, at Brunson Elementary right over there on Central. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, uh, met a teacher there by the name of Miss O, bro. She was very helpful. Uh, Chicago Police Department was right there, the 15th District Police, um, Officer Ramirez and Martinez. And then I started uh, volunteering, bro, with the police district. And, man, just, you know, working with faith leaders and, and business owners, bro. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's a big old... And right now in Chicago, Mayor Lori Lightfoot got this Invest Southwest initiative. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's like this big old pot of money going to the south and west sides. They got like 10 places where they want to build up like the business districts in the mm-hmm. areas. Basically, like, you know, communities of color, you know, black areas, really. Um, and 
black and Hispanic areas. And, um, and one of them is on Chicago Avenue between Austin and Cicero and they mm. calling it soul city. So you, you from Chicago, bro, you mm. know, Chinatown, Greek town, little Italy, you got all these cultural enclaves, right? Mm. And these people, and they also work as like, uh, uh they call it like economic drivers where they, where it can create money. You know, why don't we got that for black people? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, now we do. We got Soul City, basically like kind of like a rebuilding of Black Wall Street, bro. Mm-hmm. And so it was just from there, like I started, you know, I had to work with the city, bro. I had to work with the community. And I just started seeing like, dang, like this, it's a bigger picture to this. So, and that mm-hmm. kind of just started getting me, piquing my interest in the like politics a little bit. Okay. That's that's definitely dope. That's definitely dope. Because, you know, Chicago, well, I don't know if you know because you did spend time in Texas, but it's a few places in Chicago that was, you know what I'm saying, kind of mm-hmm. like Black Wall Street. Like, I hear stories all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm 31, mm-hmm. so I hear stories all the time from just people in my family. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, Ma- familiar with Madison Pulaski, mm-hmm. but, like, before the King riots, mm-hmm. that was like a supreme shopping spot. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You can see the skyline from right there and everything. Yeah. And people literally say this look place look like this since the King rights, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So yeah, we we, that, we definitely got got the spots like that. But before we move on, I wanna ask you, what made you wanna stay here though? Like why didn't you get the, the information you got like, man, I wanna I wanna take mm-hmm. this to Texas? Was you feel like it's a bigger need? Did you mm-hmm. feel more connected? Or was it, you know what I'm saying, when you got off the plane and, and the city was talking to you, yeah. it just it's just from that I, point. I guess a little bit a little bit of all of that, bro. Um for me it was just like I know whatever happened in Chicago, bro, is like world news Mm -hmm. and Chicago got so much history in it, you know, uh, uh, and, and a lot of, uh, black excellence, bro. A lot of, I didn't even know Martin Luther King, bro, was in Chicago until I came here and like seen the legacy apartments right over there, bro. And just learned about the movements, bro. Um, and you know how many, how much power, uh, was in Chicago. Uh, and so I knew I wanted to tap into that power base and especially like in Texas, at least where I grew up, it wasn't a strong black power base. Mm-hmm. Or if you, right now, if I'm running for politics in Texas where I live and I look like how I look with blonde hair, it ain't going, it ain't, you know, ain't a lot of the people that look like me doing right. that, bro. Mm-hmm. But here it is. Um, and I knew <clears> that, especially with young black men, we was struggling a lot more than how he was in Texas. Like, you know, we struggling where I grew up in Dallas, but. In Chicago, you know, a lot more people, right? A lot more segregation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, man, this is an area that, that needs to see somebody like me. You know, this is an area that needs to see, like, a positive image, you know, a positive mm-hmm. role model. And, uh, man, I just as I started getting involved in the community, making connections, it, like, became my family. You know, the West Side is really, like, you know, the best side. But <laughs> Definitely for sure. But, uh, yeah. but it's really, you know, it's smaller, so people know mm-hmm. each other, right? It got, mm-hmm. like, a family vibe to it, bro. And uh, man, I, I can definitely say that that man, Chicago has become my family, bro. Austin has become my family. So, uh, yeah. Man, that's dope. That's dope, man. And, and no, no bullshit, man. Mm-hmm. This could be a biopic up to this point. You know what I'm saying? It could, it could be a flick, man. That, like, yeah. That might be something you need to start writing on, man. Yeah, at least, real, at least bro. the biography, man. At least yeah. the biography, man. So, yeah. So, uh. Okay, man. So you got your hands in all these pots, man. You working with all these different groups and stuff. Mm-hmm. Was it was it suggested to you that like man you should run for some type of office or was it once you got into these circles it became a goal of yours like how did it become that important that you was like mm-hmm. I w- I want to represent these people? Yeah, um, you know once I just understood you know the political structure um, and people will always say like man you know you got a great story you know you're doing great work 
you know, you got the education, you know, you, you might be a, a good fit for Alderman, you know, um, especially with the work that I was doing on Chicago Avenue, just, mm. um, and really in the community, but specifically, um, you know, that forced me to work with the city. I had to work with the state, you know, I had to work with faith leaders. I had to work with business owners. I had to work with youth and seniors. Um, and I was really like, kind of like an alderman on a smaller scale. And I was like, man, you know, how beautiful would it be for me to be able to take this to the next level? Because as I moved around the ward, people told me like, you know, I don't really see my alderman that much. You know, I don't really know him. He doesn't mm-hmm. really come around. You know, he's hard to reach. You know, he don't really communicate with the people. And I'm like, man, I do all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I really just want to see the people thrive. Like I want to see, I want to let people know that, you know, somebody care about them. They elected mm-hmm. officials care, bro. And that really is what prompted me just to be able to serve the people and let them know, like, you know, don't give up on government yet. Like as I and I had and I had, but now I'm kind of running to let people know, like, no, nah, it's power in this. Mm-hmm. Like we we got you can we can organize and we can mobilize and create some power and really bring resources and some change to our area. Mm-hmm. OK, so what 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 exactly goes into being an alderman and what district are you are you running running for? Yeah, so uh, I always tell people, like, the city of Chicago, you know, it's, it's big. Um, and, you know, they got a mayor, and they basically split the city up into, like, 50 different uh, wards, they call mm-hmm. them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, I'm running on in the 29th ward, which is, like, this area, like, the Austin area, um, you know, down Austin to, like, you know, Central. And then it even goes, like, past North Avenue um, to, like, Harlem and Belmont. So, like. 15th 25th district yeah 15th 25th police district uh gilwood uh a little bit of belmont craigan Mm -hmm. you know uh uh austin area uh but yeah you know basically like your alderman you know they meet once a month with the mayor um to kind of give an update you know on a ward um they they vote on you know like the budget you Mm -hmm. know big development happening in the city Mm -hmm. you know basically big city decisions and then when they're not meeting with the mayor, they're, they at least they should be, you know, in their wards. You know, you got a pothole that need to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Your uh, tree just fell down in your yard or is dead. Your alderman need mm-hmm. to remove that. If somebody, you know, trying to bring like a, a, a restaurant to the ward and they want to serve liquor, mm-hmm. the alderman can give them like a liquor license or they can say, no, nah, this area is dry. Like we can't have no alcohol here. Um, and they, they also, you know, responsible for like development that happens. Somebody want to bring a gym or somebody want to bring a grocery store, you know, that has to go through the alderman. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, I want to ask you about your, your personal views on Chicago's mayor mm-hmm. and Chicago's police. Mm. Man, that's a loaded question. Uh, you, you take one at a time. <laughs> unload it a little bit. Yeah, I unload it. Let me <laughs> let me unwind that. So, bro, I, I I've read that the mayor of Chicago is the most powerful position in America behind the United uh behind the president. Really? Yes. Why is that? Just because it's you know Chicago is just like wow. it's a world class city, you know. Um, and you know, I, they, I think they say Chicago is like the second best city in the world. Mm. Um, you know, so many different cultures, right? Uh, so much history in it, so much money, you know, a lot of organizations here. So, man, that's really like being a, the president almost just with the stress and the pressure and so many different groups that you have to advocate for. Mm-hmm. So it's a hard job, bro, for anybody that's trying to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with um, 
Mayor Rahm Emanuel previously on he had like a retail a retail thrive zone project. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot got in office and kind of uh, continued the program, added her own little flair to it. Um, and so, man, uh, there's like nine different people running against her right now. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you know, somebody they want to see a change. Right. Um, and so, you know, as far as the mayor, you know, tip. Uh, uh, that's 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 a hard race right now. You got mm-hmm. nine different candidates. Mm-hmm. You know, and each of them got experience from different fields. He even got the young young guy Jamal, Jamal Green, Green, you know, running. Yeah. So, uh, you you got the guy right here from the west side, Brandon Johnson, running. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, right here in the 29th ward. Um, and so it's it's a stacked race, but you know, I, I guess we are gonna see what happened. Uh, you know, on February 28th. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, with the, with the Chicago mayors, I think. I would love for Jamal Green to be the mayor, mm-hmm. just because I feel like that blood, that new, that new, the the younger generation man mm-hmm. up and somebody who has boots on the ground. I feel like that's kind of what the city mm-hmm. needs most. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you do got to cater to all these different communities, and a lot of people just want the, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm saying the next best politician, you know, mm-hmm. what I'm saying in that spot. So it's definitely, man. it's definitely a difficult, you know, what I'm saying, yeah, a difficult race to get in to even be a part of so mm-hmm. with you kind of having to deal with the mayor and having to deal with the chicago police what up to this point before getting into this field and kind and why you went to it mm-hmm. what has been your views and experiences with the chicago police yeah bro um uh, i think police in general especially when it comes to the black community we don't we don't have the best relations mm-hmm. um because police was slave patrols originally you know if you look back in history um, and America has a racist history. You know, most of the, the law enforcement is white. Even now in the Chicago Police Department, I think they said like, you know, 37 majority of the officers are white. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's that's uh, uh, an issue when you have a, a uh, Chicago that's so diverse and, you know, has cultures from around the world in it, bro. Um, and so I think that but I also think at the same time that media plays a big role in tensions between community and officers. There's a lot of good that happens with officers in the community um, that doesn't get highlighted. You know, we mm-hmm. only see the bad things. Like today, I was just um, uh, at a, co- a meeting with the commander of the 25th district, Commander mm-hmm. uh, Gutierrez, I believe his name is. Um, and we were at the McDonald's and they was, bro, they gave us like free drinks. You know, they gave us uh, free burgers, cookies. Mm-hmm. They updated us on what was going on in the community. They brought resources out. Like why was the news not there? Like putting that mm-hmm. on TV, you know, they had DCO officers there. They had the, the youth liaison officers there, bro. Business liaison officers there. And it was just good vibes, you mm-hmm. know, and it was like real down to earth, you know, like real good interactions. Um, and I've also had good interactions with the 15th police district. I, I think they one of the best districts in the city. A lot of the me personally get promoted do, out do of too. And you it's think crazy so too? how, but the 25th for me is like, is like here. When, um, when you compare them to 15, I think, I think 15 is the best. So anytime you compare you know, somebody to the yeah. best, it's always going to be yeah, that, you know, sure. but I think 15, I feel like I see one. more, I see more minorities in, in, in 15. I know 25th got a lot of Hispanic police officers, Yeah, but, um, me growing up in the 25th district, you know what I'm saying? Growing okay. up with my little troubles and stuff, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You do do the crime, do the time, whatever. Walk the bop, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's, it's a little it's a little hint of systematic, you know what I'm saying, racism. Because I grew mm-hmm. up in the era of the stop and search, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So stop and frisk, I don't yeah. know if you familiar with that. So we could yeah. just be walking down the street, mm-hmm. and they can just be like, oh, yeah, get on the wall. 
and just search us every mm-hmm. day. Take our shoes off in the snow, all type of stuff. Mm. So what I say, you know what I'm saying, and that's why I love what people like you and Jamal Green are doing because sometimes even though we all may speak English, mm-hmm. sometimes they send people in the community that don't speak our language. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. just from that barrier, that language barrier, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, he could be trying to say how, but just the way he say it or the mm-hmm. way he move, you know what I'm saying, now it's, it's a little like, what, why you, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I feel like we need more people. It might seem, you know what I'm saying, easier said than done, but mm-hmm. I feel like we have more officers you know what I'm saying, from the communities that they were actually patrolling. It'll mm-hmm. help with the community relations a little bit, but um, hopefully that's something that, that you could help as well with you being an alderman and kind of being mm-hmm. the linchpin between the two the two yeah. people. Mm-hmm. So what do you intend to do or change or do differently or, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, as now that you're running, you got to have, you know what I'm saying, what are you, yeah. what are you offering to the, why, why should we vote for you? Yeah, and uh, I think, you know, to your point before I get into that, mm-hmm. you know, our officers, they do need to reflect the communities. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, a language barrier, and not literally, like, sometimes it's not literally like language, mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes it's cultural, right? Mm-hmm. Um, us as, as black people, we got a certain way of communicating. We a little loud when we communicate, mm-hmm. you know, and some people might mistake that for aggression, mm-hmm. but that's just how we talk. Similar in the Hispanic community, they communicate in different ways that uh, a black officer or a white officer might not understand. Mm-hmm. And so I think we need to have some type of like cultural like curriculum that the officers, you know, if you are serving in a community that's predominantly black, well, you need to understand the culture. You need to actually go through a training that teaches you, you know, how do we talk? You know, what is our slang? You know, how how have what we've been through shaped who we are? You know, similar to the Polish, similar mm-hmm. to the Spanish, just so you get an idea of, you know, the people and their culture and how they interact. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, uh, as I move through the community, bro, my three issues that have been highlighted to me are economic development, you know, building up like the, the economics in the area, more money. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, education. Right. You know, a lot of the schools, they, they underperforming, they under enrolled, they, they're under resourced. Um, and then thirdly is public safety. Like you, like we were just talking about, you know, communications between, um, law enforcement and the community. Um, and oftentimes in our community, we get, we get law enforcement and other communities get public safety. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a difference there. You know, we need public safety. We don't need all the time law enforcement. So that's the one that's, you know, some of the reasons why I'm running, bro. Okay, man, this, 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 this far. We're going to do part two. Three, yeah, four. bro. We gonna- <laughs> so what I want to ask you, man, is you talked on the public safety, man, and mm-hmm. and it's it's a big deal, mm-hmm. especially it's getting, I've grew up in the Austin community mm-hmm. damn near my whole life. Okay. And it's getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I want to ask you, what, what do you feel like? What and and from you having the the vantage point, you know what I'm saying, of studying the stuff, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, in the books and going to school for it. What do you think plagues the city? Like, why is it a gun problem and a and a drug problem? What, what's the problem? Man, that's that's layered. Um, I think one thing is that we've taken. Well, the let's just talk about your war. Excuse me. Yeah. If, if you could, you know what I'm saying. What would you say the problem is? What's the influx? What's the is it? Mm-hmm. What's driving it? You know what I'm saying. How would you attack it? Basically, what would be your strategy for for combating some of this stuff? Yeah. Um. If we're looking in a war, and even and even I guess Chicago broader. Um. A lot of the resources have been taken out of the schools. You know. Um. Even out of the community. You know. The YMCA they used to be right there on Central and Race. Mm-hmm. You know that that's no longer there. Um, you the, know, the building is still what's the what they doing? The building is still there, the, but the YMCA is right vacant. 
No, it's people living there. Um, it was, I was actually just over there today talking mm-hmm. to them. The water was off for a minute, and uh, you know they was having their struggles. And um, that's actually not even in my ward, but you know it's, that's mm-hmm. still the people. They right across the street. Um, they still just as important. Um, but man, we don't have those places where we can go after school. You know, we don't have the we they not we not teaching the skills no more. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you came up in this era, but like they used to teach the home economics. You can mm-hmm. learn how to cook. Mm-hmm. They used to give you trades, you know, where you could learn to to make crafts for yourself and really just broaden your 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 horizon and broaden your skill set. Mm-hmm. We're not giving our kids no skills, you know, and the streets calling them more than we calling them, bro. And when there when there ain't no jobs, you know, and you can't work for people that that look like you, and there's a lot of vacant lots, and there ain't no communication from your alderman's office. That's like I'm an answer who calling me, and the streets calling me, and they can put money in my pocket. They can make sure I'm, you know, I'm safe. You know, they can relate to the struggles that I've been through. So I'm gonna go with them. Who else is calling me? You know, they they tell us to put down the guns, but what we gonna pick up? Mm-hmm. You know, they telling us not to do this. And do this, but I can't see that. You know, we can't be what we can't see. And so that's really what I'm running, bro. So people can see like, man, you don't just got to be an athlete. You know, you can be an author. You know, you can be an architect. You know, mm-hmm. and if you want to, you could be an alderman. You know what I mean? So that's really why I'm just kind of running. You know, bring more resources to our children, bro. You know, build them up with skill sets. Uh, and also bring more resources to our business owners. You know, we live in a digital age. It's a lot easier to be an entrepreneur and start mm-hmm. your own business. So I, I really want to build up, like, the businesses uh, in the area, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. What would you what would you say, if you were to, to win office, what would be your biggest hurdle moving forward that you think? Mm-hmm. Or do you feel like everything is a challenge but nothing that you, you're not willing to take on? Mm. Man, these good questions, bro. Man, I appreciate <laughs> that, man. That's, we live for we live yeah. for responses like that. Man. Yeah, bro. Uh, uh, I feel like getting people to care. Mm-hmm. Um, and even now, you know, um, like people have been done so wrong, bro. So so dirty and so grimy by the machine, right? Um, that they feel like they vote don't matter no more. Oh, it don't matter who I vote for. They not gonna care. They gonna get in there and do the same thing. Oh, they a part of the system, you know. Um, they, they not going to do nothing. They're going to make these false promises, you know, um, and they're going to do all this type of stuff. Um, so just getting people to believe that, man, it really is somebody here that really wants to serve you. Like, you know, that really wants to, uh, uh increase your quality of life that really wants to make the area, uh, um, nice and vibrant and, 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 and a place where you can love and respect and be able to walk outside and, you know, be able to take your kids, you know, uh, out on the streets and just walk and have them play without having to worry about, you know, them not coming home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that'll be my biggest barrier, you know, just having people believe um, in government again, you know, mm-hmm. or believe at least in their that their alderman um, is invested in their best interest. Mm-hmm. And that, that's that's dope. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to shout out Jamal Green again because what y'all mm-hmm. brothers is doing, you know what I'm saying? I feel like is what the city needs. Like, we have mm-hmm. brothers in every race like y'all, the mm-hmm. city, like, the the next day. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, with that being said, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I always, I, I myself, I fantasize, like, being an alderman. You mm. know what I'm saying? Because I feel like okay. them the only people you, like, see in the community. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you, you know, you see the mayor when when they running for for races you might yeah. see him at the train or something but like other than that you don't really see him in the middle of your street unless it's a crime scene mm-hmm. so it's like with mm-hmm. you guys being directly you know what i'm saying from from the neighborhoods mm-hmm. that, that's perfect too but what i was trying to say and i'm kind of 
running along here is is that um is uh, I'm losing my train of thought. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Well, basically, well, basically, we need aldermen that 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 if we want to change, we got to start with the aldermen. You yeah. know what I'm saying? We got to start from the bottom up mm-hmm. so we can put who we want to put. In office, so when it's time for for the mayoral race, now you running, but we can see you. You know, what I'm saying we know what you about, we yeah. know what's with you. So I feel like to, to get changed, it got to start voting with your, with your alderman, getting to know your alderman mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, and I notice where where is you know what the office is for your ward? You uh, the uh, current alderman's office. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's right there on the. Uh, um uh, North Avenue, right before you get to Narragansett. Oh, that's it. That's often is okay. That's yeah, that. I know that right yeah, there where the like old Walgreens North, used to be. Yeah, like North Avenue originally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Across the street from the pawn shop. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right across. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was gonna say like I see other uh alderman offices. They be I don't ever see. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. So that's that's what a current office is. They have an office uh, downtown on the fifth floor, and then they have an office in the community. Okay. And so right now the 29th War alderman. How you happy with that location? Uh, I think it's central, um, central to the war because, you know, the war go all the way to the island, all the way over there on Roosevelt and, and Austin. And then that's like the most southern tip, Roosevelt and Austin. But then they go all the way up to like Belmont and Harlem. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. a that's yeah. a huge, like you know, stretch. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think North Avenue is, is the most centrally located spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're just looking at, right. you know, so being it make, it makes located. Sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Um. I'm not uh, familiar with your with your constituents or the people that that you're going mm-hmm. up against, but for anybody who may be watching or listening to them, watching or listening to this, mm-hmm. why should they vote for you over them? Man, um, people are excited for a fresh new voice. I would say um, they're tired of the same old thing. You know, electing the same old people, getting the same old results. Um, and you know, no nothing in age, but you know, I'm running against you know two two gentlemen that are in their fifties, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're a little older. Um, you know, they don't have as much energy to move around to where a young guy like myself, I'm out here knocking doors in 18 degree weather. Mm-hmm. You know, they not they not doing that, or you know, they can pay people to do that. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a young guy with energy uh, that can do that. Um, I have the experience. I've been organizing in my community since I was 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a relatable experience that people can relate to. You know, I've, I've seen struggle firsthand. I've overcame it. Not only mm-hmm. ha- did I survive, but I thrived. And, you know, I think people are excited to have a leader that has overcome those obstacles. Uh, just because when obstacles come our way in a war, you'll have somebody that, man, he overcame something so great. What is a, what is a, a um, you know, ordinance to him what is it to Mm -hmm. pass a law you know what is it to you know tackle crime right Mm -hmm. um and so for me bro i would say that people are excited for a fresh new voice people are excited for new and young energy most of or at least i would think that you know most of the crime is being committed by by our younger people Mm -hmm. right and so if we can put a younger person in there that they can see like oh man i don't i don't gotta take that route i don't gotta steal this person car i don't gotta joyride i can go to the automans office and get an internship or I can go up there and talk to him and he going to put me in touch with this business owner or he going to put me in touch with this program to where I can make that money or I can maybe even get my own car or work on cars. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's what that's why people are excited. Um, and if you're looking for the punch number, I always tell people punch 53 for Corey D. OK. Yeah. OK. So what I want to ask you, too, before you get up out of here, how are you connecting with the community? I heard you mention knocking on doors, at 18 mm-hmm. degree weather. How are you, you know what I'm saying, knocking on doors? What else are you doing to, to get out there, to get your face seen, to, mm-hmm. to to meet people who may not know you? What, what What's that like? 
Yeah, man. So it's it's really a continuation of the stuff that I've been doing. Uh, there's so many great organizations, bro, mm-hmm. in Austin uh, that do a lot of great work. So many smaller people, man. Like I, I was just at the uh, Austin Town Hall with Aisha. Mm-hmm. She has a group of young men um, at, right over there at the Austin Town Hall. Um, her organization, Root to Fruit, you know, uh, you know, Chris Thomas, you know, he has an organization, Your Passion First, uh, working with the 15th district and the 25th district, um, and, you know, being at the churches, you know, kind of seeing what the needs are of the faith community, working with business owners, bro. Um, and man, really a continuation, you know, uh, about to start running some digital ads, you know, Facebook sure. ads, you know, and really just being as visible as possible. I want people mm. to, you know, whether they on their phone or whether they out in the community, I want them to see me. So, you know, putting up yard signs, I'm um, getting to as many events as I can, uh, hopping on podcasts, you know, such mm. as yourself, man. And, uh, really just, you know, uh, uh get my name recognition out there for people mm. that don't know me. Okay. Okay. Uh, Feel me, I'm asking, what's your support system like? I know you mentioned your girl a few times, mm-hmm. missing meeting on in school. What's what's your support, your personal support system like? Do they support what you're doing? Do they think it's unsafe? Do they be like, hey, Chicago politicians, man, they know for corruption. I don't yeah. know if you want to, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, I don't know if you want to get into that. What's the, what's their response like? Man, my uh, and it's and it's tricky. I would say, mm-hmm. um, as far as far as my wife, bro, she been very supportive of me. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have did this unless I had her support. Um, you know, my family, uh, my immediate family, my mother, you know, and, and, and that sort, they've been real supportive of me. Um, and with the relationships that I built in the community, you know, Chicago politics is tricky, especially mm-hmm. on the West side, because everybody know everybody. And it's like, as much as this young man is doing this great work, I know the alderman or I got a business and award and I might need something from him. So I can't put your sign in my window, even though I might, I think I'm, I'm a vote for you mm-hmm. and I'm with you, but I still got, I can't make, I can't mess up my relationship with the alderman right now mm-hmm. because even when I do win, I don't take office until May. And so that's a whole three months that, you know, people, you know, they still got to work with the current alderman and a lot of stuff could happen in that time. So it's been kind of interesting, bro. You know, I, I know I have a lot of support. Have I seen it as much as I know that it's there? No. I haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that's like, dang, like, do I hold a grudge against these people? You know, do I like, you know, like just cut them off completely or do I take the route of dang? OK, I understand right now that, you know, they can't really come out and support me how they want to, even though they are behind closed doors. So it's kind mm-hmm. of I'll be on a roller coaster sometimes, bro. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll be like, man, forget them people. Yeah. Uh, but then at the same time, I'll be like, man, I, I understand. Mm-hmm. And uh, and hopefully, you know, I know once I'm able to get in this position, you know, a lot more people will come out. But it's like, dang, you know, are they only coming out because I won or is they coming out because they really, you know, supported me? Mm-hmm. And if so, dang, where was that support when I really needed you? You know, where was that support when I needed your help knocking on doors or, mm-hmm. and phone banking? You know, you wasn't there. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's been tricky, bro. But, you know, despite all of that, you know, uh, I got a good heart, bro. And mm-hmm. I ain't going to hold nothing against, you know, nobody. Um, you know, I still got to serve my people, bro. And that's, that's what I intend to do. Okay. Okay. I, I give you I give you to put the shoes on the other foot for you. If, if you're talking to Chicago people, they like, what? Knocking on people's doors? Yeah. <laughs> that's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah. man, you definitely, that's, that's definitely a big part of it, man. So what I want to know, man, a question I want to know before I let you get up out of here, man, mm-hmm. is... Is you know some people some people may be an alderman their, their entire career, but I feel like you you want more out of this. So mm. so what's what's your goal? What what are you doing this for? What do you what do you hope to to end up? What what's your personal your personal goal? Where you where you trying to get to? Man, uh, another good question, man. Uh, for me, 
right now, uh, it's really just to be the ultimate, bro. Really just kind of focusing, like buckling down on where I am now because I don't know where, you know, I could be later. You know, people like, oh, you a young Barack. You might be the president. Well, I ain't want to say it, but <laughs> when you start early and you really yeah. doing what you, that's inevitable. You're going to be in them. You know yeah. And, and I might be, bro. Uh, but, you know, as far as like, I know, like right now, you know, the war needs me. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, as Alderman, I really do plan to serve as an Alderman um, for, you know, as long as God, you know, sees fit. Um, but, man, that's really where my focus has been, you know, getting elected, you know, becoming an Alderman, you know, learning, learning, continuing to develop uh, my knowledge on the processes and procedures of the city. Um, and also educating people. I feel like a lot of people, they don't know what an alderman does. And sometimes they don't even know what's going on in a ward. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, like uh, as soon as I get in, one of the first things I want to do is create an app, you know, where you can see all the businesses in the ward, where you can, where a uh, business directory, you can see the events going on in the ward, see what's happening. Um, and maybe where you can even post like, oh, I need this service here. You know, my tree is coming down and, you know, how do I use technology to increase our quality of life and increase our communication so people feel like you know that they're involved and that their voice is being heard okay is there any, any debating or like town halls involved in running for them yeah there, there was just a debate uh on february 4th at uh, pastor epton's church right there on 5900 uh block of iowa Man, i wish i could I'm, I'm gonna be releasing some videos, bro. I took mm. some videos. Uh, they just came out with an article. I'll send it to you. Uh, and man, yeah, keep up with me, or y'all, if y'all following me, uh, following me, keep up with me uh, on all platforms at Community Corey. And Corey is spelled C-O-R-E-Y. My website is communitycorey.com. Instagram is Community Corey. Facebook Community Corey. Only thing is my Twitter is Community underscore Corey. So I was upset that they got that because I, I wanted to keep all my stuff. That's why I, I tried to. I, I think I don't think I'm. Pretty much on 290 Mofog. I think I'm clean on everything. You clean on everything. See, that's a name like real unique, bro. Yeah. Because so. it, it was a, a no-cap podcast. And yeah. then I was telling a friend about it. I'm like, yeah, look it up. Yeah. And she looked it up. It was like, she like, which one are you? I'm yeah. Like, oh, shit. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah. 290 Mo. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a name. That's a name that, that that's unique, bro. Yeah, man. So, for sure, appreciate you coming through, man. Tell the people yeah. when the race, where they can vote, what to punch. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. All that good news. Yeah, man. So early voting uh, officially opened up uh, on Monday. And so uh, the early voting sites is open. If you need to know where to vote, um, you can go to my website, communitycorey.com and click on the vote tab and it'll show you your award, where you can vote at. Um, right now it's early voting. So you can go to any of the early voting sites um, and vote. Mm -hmm. Even if you're here, you can go downtown, you can go out south, you know, and vote. Um, and then election day is February 28th. Um, and that you do have to go to your polling place that mm -hmm. day. Um, that's on my website as well. And man, if y'all live in the 29th Ward, got family that live in the 29th Ward, uh, please punch 53 for Corey D. If you don't live in Chicago or if you don't live in the 29th Ward but still want to get involved, man, running a race in Chicago is not cheap. Uh, yeah. The average campaign, I want to say, costs, bro, like 50000 They say that's what you need to win. Yeah. 50,000 and so I could tell y'all I ain't nowhere near that uh, but man if y'all donate a dollar or five dollars I appreciate it and if y'all want to volunteer just go to my website again communitycorey.com man appreciate all the love and support
All right, man. Appreciate you coming through. Yes, sir. I got another question. I'm sorry. Yeah, bro. Go ahead and ask it. How how you feeling? How you feeling about this race, man? How you how you how you feeling, man? Man, I'm really I'm really hyped up, bro. I just got a, a endorsement today from a national organization called Run for Something. Um, so that's helped boost my profile. Uh, did an article in the Tribune um, and in the Sun Times, man. Uh, Austin Weekly did an article, so I'm really gaining a lot of momentum and traction. And man, really just excited. I saw something on Twitter today that said in 2015, right now, there was like 2,000 people had voted. Mm-hmm. I think it was like 2,100 people had voted. Um, in 2015, that was the number for this time. In 2019, the number was like 2,400 people had voted, you mm-hmm. know, at least based on this date right now. Bro, right now, to this day, I think they say like 60,000 people, bro, have already like voted. Whether that was like mail-in From or 2060? From 2,000, bro, to like 60,000 people, bro. So this it's going to be like a historical voter turnout across yeah. the city for mayor, for aldermen. So, man, with more than votes, yeah, for sure. yeah I, I'm confident. I've been texting people, you know. So hopefully, you know, they see my text and, you know, been keeping up with me. And, and a Punch 53 for Corey D, man, elect a fresh new voice as the next 29th World Alderman. All right, man, for sure, man. I'm going to let you go now, man. I know right, you got we, real work, real business. Two, man. For sure, we, man. Once you actual, once you actual Alderman, man, because yeah. that's definitely why I want to get more into, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying, talking to the faces of the community, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so yeah. That's definitely, was definitely my first step into that direction. Like I always okay. say, I want to get people in politics a police officer firefighter mm-hmm. just you know what i'm saying so you can meet these people you know what i'm saying your mm-hmm. neighborhood so like i said appreciate you coming on the show man can't wait to have you back good luck yes sir in a minute